0: Trainer Talks and Tales acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land in which we're recording this podcast, the Tourible and Yugara people of Mianjin. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today.
1: Trainer Talks and Tales love having an array of guests with a variety of opinions. However, the views of the individuals do not necessarily reflect the perspectives of the host facilities.
0: Hey guys, and welcome back to Trainer Talks and Tales. I'm Tess, and we are joined by, of course, Daisy.
1: Hello, Tess. Now, I know that you have had a fantastic week as we got to celebrate your 30th birthday. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about your week?
0: yeah I had a great week thank you great weekend celebrating my 30th um my actual birthday is tomorrow so looking forward to that um but yeah I had a great party it was dress up of course anyone that knows Tess knows that I love a dress up so yeah it was lots of fun lots of people got lit up like Christmas trees so it was, it was good times
1: yeah it was a lot <laughs> um, of fun
0: <laughs> yeah but what about you Daisy what's new how's your week any recommendations
1: Yeah, my week is good. Thank you. And I do have a recommendation. I'm back on the podcast, bandwagon. Um, and actually wanted to recommend the newest episode of the ABMA podcast, which is called the Animal Behavior Conversations. And the newest podcast is called Cooperative Care. uh, And it's with Shane and his guest speaker, Valda. And I actually just speak about cooperative care and the behaviors and obviously the importance of doing them. But they also touch on why it's really important that we demonstrate those particular behaviours to guests as well to see that the types of behaviours that our animals are participating in and the idea of changing the name from husbandry behaviours to cooperative care behaviours. So it's a really, really good lesson, a really good conversation, and I would definitely recommend it.
0: Yeah, sounds good. I like the name change. That um, sounds better to me, I feel like.
1: Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. And I've started to try and slowly implement it at work too.
0: Yes, nice. I've been uh, way better with the word captivity. I'm like, every time, like, in human care, in zoological care, it's just out of my language now. Yay. it's just little steps, hey? Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get into this chat. I'm really excited about this one. Obviously, it's our close friends Adele and Mick from Wildlife Unleash. And it was lots of fun recording this, F. Hey.
1: Yeah, it was so much fun. Mick and Adele shared their really interesting and slightly different pathways into the industry, why they left the zoos, and the incredible business that they're creating now. So, Tess, let's get straight into it. Let's do it.
0: All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. We are so excited to have you both on the podcast. We're excited to talk about your business, Wildlife Unleash, But before we get into that, as you would know, we love to start with our fast five. Are you cool if we get straight into that?
2: Absolutely. Let's do it.
0: All right. So there is two of you. So I was going to go one for one. Uh, So let's go. Number one, you Adele and then straight to Mick. Okay. Number one, Adele, Blunstones or Redbacks? Blunnies. Mick, snakes or Crocs? Crocs. (laughs) Adele, Maccas or Hungry Jacks?
3: Smack every
0: day. Mick, Northern Territory or Northern Queensland?
2: Northern Queensland.
0: Ooh. And last one, Adele, Crocs and socks, yes or no? No. No, no,
3: no.
1: no. <laughs> I'm so proud of myself because I secretly answered all those questions in my head of what you guys would say and I got them all right. Yes.
3: Really? You don't <laughs> a good job, no, that was so easy. <laughs> Gold star. Gold star.
1: Now, just like Tess said, thank you again so much for joining us. We are both really, really excited. And obviously, before we get stuck into the conversation about the business Wildlife Unleashed, it'd be great to talk to you both about how you guys got into the industry. So I was hoping maybe we could start with you, Adele.
3: Yeah, for sure. God, how long do you have? Um, (laughs) No, well, I grew up in Victoria, so I worked down there um, at a pig farm which is quite interesting. It's not really part of the industry, but that's where I started my animal journey. I also was studying animal studies and companion animal services down there, volunteering at uh, Melbourne Zoo, Werribee Zoo. And then I came across, um, uh, funnily enough, Taryn's Instagram post, (laughs) one of our good mates. And she had a photo with an eagle and I just literally emailed her and said, Hey, how do I, how do I do what you do? And, um, yeah, she emailed me back and was like, I work at Australia Zoo. And I was like, cool, I want to do that. So, yeah, I basically came up for a week, volunteered for a bit at Australia Zoo and then went back to Victoria and then decided I want to move up. So then I moved my whole life up here when I was like 20, 20 19. Yeah, and then started volunteering again uh, and got a job after a week volunteering at Australia Zoo and got put into the koala department, which was really cool. And then, yeah, from there, I just worked really hard and got into birds because I always loved birds. Even when I started in koalas, I was like, love birds, watch the girls do the show all the time, really wanted to do that. And yeah, kind of weaseled my way in there. And that's where it all began.
1: It's good that you speak about having to move because I feel like a lot of the people we've spoken to on the podcast or a lot of people we've reached out to have said that you kind of have to be quite willing to move to be able to progress your career within this industry. So it's really cool to see and hear of how, you know, how successful that was for you.
3: Yeah yeah for sure and like I guess it it depends like for everybody because everyone's so different but for me personally I wasn't a uni girl (laughs) I cannot do books and computers so if I was to get into like a government zoo I would have had to do those kinds of things and I was just like no there needs to be another way (laughs) so I was like yep uproot the life and move to Queensland and volunteer and work really hard. (laughs)
0: Wow. And also quick shout out to Taryn, T Bones Jones. That's pretty yeah. nice too. That um with <laughs> we <don't> her <laughs> with her, you know, communication that she gave you the information that you needed. Um and that's what I think is really important that people look for these jobs and we need to um be able to give them a bit of time if they want that information. So good on her for replying to your DM and also Impressive that you volunteered for a week. Damn, Adele, you must have been pretty good.
3: <laughs> yeah, mate. I mean, you worked
0: with me. Come on, yeah. Come on, Des. yeah. What happened? What happened? Sure. I, was gonna say
1: I actually remember being fairly salty about that when I heard about that.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I think it took me a little bit longer than that.
0: Yeah, I volunteered yeah, for like six days, months.
2: Wait until you hear how long I volunteered for. Yeah, uh, or didn't.
0: <laughs> well, actually, that's good. Let's let's get into that, Mick. Let's talk about you. Um it's clear that Adele loves birds, however make you lean more towards your reptiles. Can you chat a little bit about your pathway into the industry and how you ended work ended up working with Australia's apex predator?
2: Yeah, so I've always loved um, animals in particular wildlife. Uh, my first word was snakes and um, <laughs> yes yeah, so always yeah, it was snakes back then though because I couldn't say the s so it was snakes <laughs> and um and then yeah, like when I was, Pretty young, I think it was about 10 or 11, my parents started, um, joined a wildlife volunteer program being wildlife rescuers and wildlife rehab. So we started, that was basically for me and the my sisters to get us involved with wildlife because um, we were so obsessed with it. So they were like, let's start doing this. So we went and did like a few courses. We started raising orphan joeys, um, joey wallabies, the Bennetts wallabies down in Tassie where I grew up and um, Eastern Bard bandicoots and stuff like that always catching lizards and stuff in the backyard. And then, um, yeah, 12 years old, I started doing my Cert two in captive animals on the weekends after high school. And, um, yeah, I was doing the Cert two in captive animals, volunteering, doing an internship at a little wildlife park called Bonnerong Wildlife Sanctuary down in Tassie. And, yeah, I got to work with Tassie devils, wombats, quals, koalas, heaps of different animals down there. I was doing um, little presentations like the... Keeper talks down there when I was 12. And then, yeah, always wanted to work at Australia Zoo because my favourite animals have always been crocs and snakes. So Tassie just didn't cut it. Mm-hmm. So I had to convince my parents to move to Queensland. And So after me pretty much saying that I was going to move to Queensland as soon as I turned 16, if they hadn't moved us to Queensland, they were like, all right, we'll move to Queensland. So we moved up to Queensland when I was like 16, just on sixteen. I left high school at year 10, after year 10 and um, started volunteering at Australia Zoo, did my Cert 3 in captive animals. And um, and then, yeah, I volunteered for over a year. Um, <laughs> but because of my age, I got offered a job like three times. And then everybody used to think I was like 20, 25 or something when I was 16 years old. <laughs> now I look like I'm 40.
0: Um, <laughs> You're the baby of the so, yeah, <laughs> I got offered
2: all these jobs and I'd be like, how old are you? I'm like, oh, 16. And they're like, oh, sorry, we can't give it to you. And then they were like, I got offered a job to be the shuttle driver. And I was like, I'm 16. They're like, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so I just had to keep volunteering. As soon as I turned 17, I got my driver's licence and I got a job that week. And, um, and then, yeah, got a job straight into koalas. And then eventually in the first sort of six months, started doing the rescue unit at the zoo, working alongside Toby um and the whole time i was volunteering i was pretty much doing mostly reptiles so the reptile department knew how keen i was um and then yeah as soon as the position opened up in reptiles i got a job in reptiles and then worked my way up the ladder there and then yeah spent a good six years in reptiles and yeah got to feed all the crocs feed all the venomous snakes and yeah it was good
1: I love how your whole family just completely up to move with you. Like, it's so good to know that you had such a supportive network around you. And I also really love that you mentioned at the start because we heard from you know Tess actually last week who mentioned um, about the rescue and the rehabilitation with wild animals and how that helped towards her gaining experience. So it's great to hear that that's how you started and how you got that hands-on and understanding of the different species that we have in Australia and how to work with them too.
2: Yeah, it was an amazing experience growing up being around that kind of stuff. So, yeah definitely encourage everybody to try and do that for sure.
1: Yeah absolutely. Now the three of us obviously worked at Australia Zoo together that's where you guys had the pleasure of meeting me and each other. (laughs) Um, Now that was a few years ago I guess now but for you both I guess I'd love to know is there something valuable you learned from that experience at the zoo and maybe something that you also struggled with or a challenge that you both faced?
2: Yeah where do we start? Like (laughs) i it was the, the whole thing was like the most valuable experience I could have ever had. Like it was such a um, crucial part in my life, obviously, like starting there from such a young age. Like at first I first did a week's volunteering when I was 15 and then again for a year when I was 16 and then right up until, you know, two years ago when I was 24 So or 23. Yeah. So, yeah, like it's a pretty crucial part of my life and learned so many things from being there. So many like different valuable tools, you know, teamwork and. Um, hard work and (laughs) all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, so many things that are positive out of it.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think um, for the most part, like, working in a big team can be very valuable, but it also can be a struggle (laughs) at the same time, Um, especially coming out of the industry now and not being, like, surrounded by, like, a whole team that can help you get stuff done, um, where it's just us two doing it, it kind of makes it a little bit harder. So I definitely value that a lot more now. But obviously, back when I was at the zoo, having like 10 people on a day with all different personalities and all different interests and um like career paths and levels and experience like it can get a bit hectic especially like yeah like especially with t- tests when we're at Lone Pine and we do that um what do we call it that personality test
0: yeah right? you and I, and I have like, very different personalities <laughs>
3: <yeah>. <laughs> and, that's it. and like it's so that yeah, everyone is so different and like I am very like direct and straight to the point and like don't hold back And I don't mean that in, like, a malicious way ever, but sometimes it can come across a bit too much.
0: (laughs) No, I think that's a very good point. And the fact that you said that, too, with big teams, there's a lot of different personalities, different strengths, too. Like, I see that all the time. Um, As you know, Tess isn't handy with a drill, but you are, other people are, and, like, people have different um, skill sets and passions and that kind of stuff. So I can imagine going from a team and now you guys just a two-person team um, would be a big change. Well, actually on that, we would love to talk a little bit more about your awesome, successful company, Wildlife Unleashed. Um, I know this is audio, but Daisy's actually wearing a Wildlife Unleashed T-shirt. Number one fan. Um. Can you please give us a little rundown on what your business uh, is and what is involved?
2: Yeah, so Wildlife Unleashed is basically a a wildlife demonstrating company. Um, It's all about getting people up close and personal with wildlife. So we're essentially a mobile zoo. We bring wildlife out to people and that could be school talks, kids' parties, um, you know, any kind of event. And it's all about, yeah, we educate people about the wildlife, tell them as much as we can and get people up close and personal with them. And then, um, yeah, it's all about conservation through education, essentially. So, Yeah, Yeah,
3: that's it. And it's actually quite interesting as well because, well, since we've been running for the last two years, you know, you meet so many different people. Like we do caravan parks and vacation cares and we do like even, um, like, yeah, big scale events where you meet so many different personalities and different people that, you know, you might meet someone who's never actually handled a snake before or held a snake before. And, like, they might be, like, 40-odd years old, you know, which is absolutely crazy to all of us who literally handled snakes from, like, when he was 15 and, like, you know, around them all the time. They're so familiar to us. But to have those, like, one-on-one experiences with people that don't get the privilege or opportunity to have those close-up encounters is just... Yeah, so it's super rewarding actually like and, and the kids' faces when they get to pat or hold their first snake and I know you can relate to that because like when you held your first snake, hey, you were like this is what I want to do forever kind of thing.
2: Yeah, 100%. Like you you can definitely see how much of an impact it has on a kid's life. Like it had a massive impact on my life getting up close and personal with animals from a young age and it pretty much just formed my direction in life. And now I see it, yeah, I put a, a snake around a kid's shoulder and they're like, yep, yeah, I'm hooked and they just mm-hmm. want to, yeah, you can see that they are then just they're in love with wildlife and, yeah. and they just want to protect them so
3: and their parents yeah. are always like oh great now i have to get my kid a snake for their birthday next year <laughs> <laughs> <They're> like sorry <laughs>
1: <I'm> like, bye <laughs> I think it's like it's easy for us to become very complacent when we're so lucky to be able to work with animals every single day so you know it's great that you raised that point and every single interaction that you have with different people is so memorable for them and you have no idea what that's going to lead to so it's it's really inspiring really impressive that you guys are leading the way with that.
2: Yeah thanks guys. Yeah thank you.
1: Now obviously you both have very different passions Adele you love your birds and I know Mick you love your reptiles so I want to know what a sort of day in the life can look like for you guys and do you end up sort of splitting the duties when it comes to the animals and parts of the business?
2: Yeah, Yeah. good question. (laughs) Yeah, so we we definitely split it in the sense that like Adele knows what she's doing with the birds, I know what I'm doing with the reptiles, so she sort of takes the lead with that and I take the lead with this. But we both do both. (laughs) Like obviously Adele goes away sometimes and I have to do everything or I go away sometimes and Adele has to do everything.
3: Yeah, we're so, all, um, yeah. we're both capable of doing everything, but Mick mostly focuses on the reptiles. I mostly focus on the birds. Um,
2: yeah. but on a day-to-day basis, we pretty much do everything together. Yeah, this oh one my doesn't God. like doing everything separately.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am um, a stage five clinger, and I'm like, let's do the birds together, let's do the snakes together, and Mick's like, it's way more efficient if we do it apart. And I was like, no.
1: Yeah. And so, Are what you do you us? like when you say do them together? Like, what does that mean? Like, what is what is it that you're doing?
3: Uh, I just boss Mick around and <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> I, it, I do all the bird food and say, feed this to the macaws, feed this to the amazons.
2: <laughs> it's tough, but- um, <laughs> yeah, basically a day in the life is we get up when we're motivated enough. We go to the gym. <laughs> we're not get up and then we just go get straight into it. We um yeah just go feed the birds. So we take all the bird food down, feed the birds together. Yeah, <laughs> and then um. Yeah, any bird cleans that we want to do, we do then. If they need browse, we'll do it then as well. Um, come up, check the reptiles, um, do up some reptile food as well, like if we're doing some lizard feeds that day or anything like that. Um, and then, yeah, if we got jobs on that day, obviously, then we're packing up, heading out to jobs. And, um, yeah, do it all again in the afternoon pretty much where we, you know, get all the bird bowls out, clean all the bird bowls, and then, yeah, do all the last reptile checks and, you know, everything else in between that you have in a day where you're zookeeping, you know, cleaning enclosures and stuff like that. But, yeah, school holidays is non-stop, you know, like we we do that run in the morning, which takes about an hour, and then we pack all the animals up to go out to jobs and then we'll be back, you know, just about on dark and then putting the animals back and then doing it all and, yeah, throwing the towel in at about 8pm sometimes or later. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: You didn't mention making reels in there, um, I noticed.
2: Oh, yeah. buddy, hell, that takes up a bit of time. <laughs>
0: yeah, it does.
3: Oh, my God. Content is so annoying. Like, it's great, but the struggle is real. And I, no <laughs> so pun intended. Oh, my God, that's so good. And um, he is useless at making content. So I've been on his back like 24 7. And you probably noticed this week that Mick's been posting everybody.
1: <laughs> yeah, can I can tell when Adele's had a, a bit of a word to Mick.
2: Yeah. yeah, my time's wasted filming Adele.
0: Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. No, you guys make a good team, that's for sure. Well, our next question you kind of addressed before. Um, we we're gonna mention how you went adjusting from a big team to the two of you, but we kind of touched on that before. But do you struggle with a work-life balance, um, being that your job is mostly from home?
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hundred percent.
3: Yeah, it is hard. Like it. And it is a massive change, like, um, not only if you're working in, um, yeah, a facility where you're getting up and you're going to work at a certain time and you're finishing at a certain time and you're coming home and you get to clock off and have dinner and all that, um, it's very hard to do when you wake up and you're in your workplace straight away, which I'm sure, like, since COVID, like, a lot of people are working from home as it is, but... It's one thing that we still struggle with every single day, and we still need to get a better routine around it. But yeah, like we'll get up, and you know, we'll have a cup of tea in the garden, and it just becomes like a longer cup of tea and a longer cup of tea. Yeah. Pat the pony, you know, like this is real, like long and dragged out. Um, and then we're like, oh, okay, now we've got to get our butts into gear. Yeah, it is. It is a tough one, and like, and not to mention the fact that we're mostly raising a lot of our animals too. So like, we can't just clock off and. You know, expect your coworker to come in the next day and look after, or look after something, or feed something, or check something. It's like literally just us at the minute. Um, so anything that needs to be raised or fed, or um, if they're sick, they need to be monitored. It's all, all us. Like so, I, I took my Major Mitchells to Daisy's wedding, for example. Like, yeah, <laughs> made of honor and I've got baby Major Mitchells like <laughs> in a hotel room, crying, waking up the bloody groomsmen. Um, <laughs> for feeds and um yeah it just doesn't stop like never
2: yeah and there's no real weekends yet we're dying to put on some staff though (laughs) as soon as we can get staff on hopefully we'll be able to get a proper weekend because like yeah at the moment there's no real (laughs) weekends
3: no that's that's the next progression like for us at wildlife unleash like putting on a staff member um yeah to just get a few loose ends tied up and give us a little bit more time for for that work-life balance too
1: yeah I feel like that's definitely where you guys are up to and it's such a good step to make sure that you get that balance between you know ensuring that you have quality time with each other and it's not always about the business
3: yeah for sure
1: now I know that you guys have some really cool things coming up especially you Mick um in regards to conservation but I was just wondering if you could maybe touch on the business and their and your sorry your business's future conservation goals
2: yeah, so we got, yeah, lots of big plans for conservation with Wildlife Unleashed down the track. Like, obviously, we're just going to continue expanding Wildlife Unleashed for now and continuing with the conservation through education kind of method. But we'd love to, our end goal is to, to have a wildlife park um, dedicated to conservation. So, um, and then being able to contribute to captive breeding programs for endangered species and stuff like that. But, yeah, like, obviously, at the moment, I'm heavily involved with, crop conservation and um there's some yeah super exciting things up and coming with that. Hopefully in the next couple of months. Um we'll be able to tell you more. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah. There's some exciting things coming on crop conservation. So yeah, heavily involved with that at the moment.
0: Well, uh you briefly mentioned before as well that you're thinking about having some more staff in the future and having your own place, but Are there any other big goals that you guys have for Wildlife Unleash and where do you think it'll be in the next few years?
3: Yeah, so Wildlife Unleash for us was always a stepping stone to something bigger. Um, Mick and I, like, growing up, have always wanted to have our own wildlife park. Um, What that looks like, we don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But we just know that it's going to happen in the next, um, yeah, a couple of years. Like, that is something that, yeah, we just want something of our own uh, where we can have our own collection and people can come to us. Yeah, so that's what Wildlife Unleashed basically started from, Um, just an idea of having our own park and how we could get there.
2: No, absolutely. Essentially, it's just, yeah, expanding the collection, expanding the workload, putting staff on to grow the business to potentially be able to expand to a facility, you know, that people can come and visit.
1: Yeah, and I yeah. absolutely feel like that's going to be so achievable for you both and both with your personalities and you're so determined and so passionate with what you do. So, so excited to see what's going to happen in the next few years for you guys. Me
3: too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like and subscribe. Hopefully get
2: our YouTube, YouTube up and running more as well. That's another massive goal oh, of ours yeah. is to try and, you know, make a go of YouTube. There's so many people out there these days that you can make a living out of YouTube, you know, so yeah. it'd be an awesome added revenue to sort of, dive into with the collection that we've got now at home so yeah
3: and people yeah. always want to see our collection they always like what do you get up to like what do you do in the day like like where, where do your crocodiles live and all this stuff and like it is up on our youtube currently but yeah to have that be more consistent would be awesome because we do we live this like yeah epic life like where we literally have crocodiles in our backyard and yeah we love sharing with everybody so we just need to make more time to be getting um some content up on youtube as well
1: yeah absolutely now, we do obviously have some questions from our social media, so I'm keen to get straight into those if you guys are. Now, question number yeah. one was what factors helped you decide that you were ready to
3: leave the zoo industry? Well, I mean, I guess well, we're still in the zoo industry, I guess you yeah. could say. Um, yeah, we still have permits, like zoo permits and everything like that to have the animals we have. So we never really left the zoo industry, but I guess uh, to go off that question, like what we did to leave, like, Australia Zoo, Um yeah we like we said we always just wanted our own little space and we kind of outgrew australia zoo and just kind of um yeah chosen chosen new path to follow
2: yeah i think pretty much like just got to the point at australia zoo for me anyway that we'd well for me yeah i'd done all the training that i wanted to do there i'd fed all the crocs i'd um, worked with all the venomous snakes there there wasn't anything in that collection that i wasn't doing you know so uh the progression from there kind of slowed right down there wasn't too much room to grow and um yeah so it was kind of time to leave for me and I think it's pretty much the same situation for Adele
3: yeah yeah same for me like and I obviously you guys know that I get bored very quickly (laughs) I have an attention span of a goldfish and um yeah I was like what's new
1: and I guess you had to consider that you needed to take that step maybe a little bit earlier than you were ready but also to make sure that you could have that time to put into Wildlife Unleashed and have you guys home full-time for it to actually be successful too
3: yeah, it's actually a real interesting and scary time. And, I mean, you hear it all the time when people talk about, like, starting a business. They talk about, like, you just have to go, go in guns blazing or take the leap of faith or, you know, aim and bloody fire later and all that kind of, like, concepts and mentality. But yeah. it's – and it is – it was scary, like, having a full-time job, knowing that you're going to get paid every single day. Um, and, I mean, but before I before I went full-time to Wildlife Unleashed, like, I did do it um, just under a year at Lone Pine Koala Sanctuary too. Um, and like their support for wildlife unleashed was tenfold. Like they knew that that was like a priority for me. So they really like really helped us out in that sense, like giving us weekends. So we could do kids parties, but then it just become a time where it was just too much. Like we had, I had to keep asking for weekends off and it just organically kind of developed into a way where we needed to leave our jobs basically. So I left first actually, um, my job permanently and did wildlife unleashed full-time straight after our wedding. And then um, Mick was still doing koala tracking and relocating on the side. And then we just got, yeah, so busy that we both worked for Wildlife Unleashed
2: full-time,
1: yeah. Yep. Okay, so the next question we had in from the listeners was, did you guys have any investors or savings when starting Wildlife Unleashed or, I guess, any other income for that?
2: Yeah, we didn't have any real savings. I mean, we were living (laughs) paycheck to paycheck working at Australia Zoo, so... (laughs) Um, yeah, no savings, no investors. We were lucky enough to already own our property here, which, um, was obviously a massive leg up and, um, yeah, the main thing was we were working like three jobs essentially, you know, we were working at Australia Zoo full time. I was catching snakes on the side and then, um, you know, wildlife unleashed jobs as well at at one stage. And then I left. Oh, then I started koala tracking, working at Australia Zoo and snake catching all at the same time as well as Wildlife Unleashed. So there was a lot going on.
3: And then we are doing and Aussie then, snake wranglers.
2: And then Aussie snake wranglers on the side there as well. Um, so that all helped um, sort of fund it. And then, um, yeah, and then eventually left the zoo, started doing koala tracking and then I was koala tracking and Wildlife Unleashed and snake catching and then um, got so busy with Wildlife Unleashed that same as Adele said with Lone Pine, you know, essentially just felt bad to constantly be asking for so much time off over like key periods that I was like, it's the best thing to do for them Yeah. <laughs> to kind of just rip the bandaid off and be like, yeah, we just got to take a plunge here because we need our weekends and to be available for Wildlife Unleashed. So mm. yeah.
0: Yeah. Fair. Um, okay. We have two more questions. Uh, who was the first animal in your collection and how quickly did it grow?
3: Yeah, right. Uh, first animal, well, when Mick and I got together, he already had a snake, a uh, little red life python called Nulla. Um, yep. So, yeah, these were, I guess, when we were at, um, yeah, the other facilities that we were working at, we had our own private collection already. So just on a native animal licence, we had um, Nulla. But I'd probably say the first animal that we got in mind of opening Wildlife Unleashed would be Rambo, our red-tailed black cockatoo. Um, yeah, we got him based off the fact that um, obviously I was training all of the birds at Australia Zoo and wanted to train my own bird. So I've got him um, knowing that, yeah, we, we could use him for events in the future.
2: Yeah, and then the frillies, got the frillies after him. Yeah, and was so cute. Had the big olive python and then the green python and then.
1: Yeah, and then it just kind of ex- escalated. 60
2: <laughs> animals later, we're here.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, do you know actually how many snakes and how many birds that you have off the top of your head? Oh, uh,
3: yay, yay. <laughs>
2: I know we've got over sixty animals now. I counted that wow. the other day. Yeah. But that's including our five chickens
3: <laughs> and oh. our pony.
1: Shout yeah. out to but. Polo. <laughs> They're very important yeah. animals in your collection.
2: Yeah, it yeah. must oh be twenty-five odd snakes.
3: I think mean, twenty birds.
2: Twenty birds. <laughs> Two crocs. Two laces. Six lizards. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It sounds like many. a um. <laughs> it sounds like a Christmas carol <laughs>
3: <All right. laughs>
0: that was beautiful let's not ask the final question let's leave it at that song uh, no um the final question from our listeners was uh what is your favorite bird and what is your favorite croc at australia
2: zoo yep yeah. what's your favorite bird
3: my favorite bird would have to be douglas dougie the jabber dougie the jabberoo he was um bloody cool bird to work with uh one of the only free flight um yeah blackneck storks in australia which was awesome to be a part of his training um oh he was so cute i miss him every day actually like we went to the zoo not long ago and um we sent him fly to the show and i was just like oh <laughs> my soul just left my body but um No, he was so cute. And they used to walk him around the zoo and he used to forage for, like, insects on the grass and take him out. And, like, we did a lot of his training through COVID too, so there was, like, no guests in the um, zoo. So he could just walk around and do whatever he wanted really and, like, he could squat down to his level and he had a massive giant beak but he could still cuddle his little long neck. He was so cute.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You have a really good photo, I feel like, giving him a little cuddle, so I feel like we should share that because it's so cute.
3: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's energy. It is so cute.
2: Yeah. My favorite crocodile at the zoo actually passed away while I was there, but her name was Terra. And um, yeah, it was a little female croc. Well, she was a pretty big female. She was like nine and a half foot. She was Bosco's girlfriend. She was like the Adele of the croc world.
3: Oh, a big girl, wow. Yeah.
2: No, <laughs> no, bloody beautiful. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> Um, Big lass. Yeah. No, she was the best looking croc. Hey, she, um, yeah, she was really light color. And you'd come over to the enclosure and shout out Terra. And she'd actually come up from one end of the enclosure to the other and run out on land to come and say good to you. She didn't want food or anything. <laughs> nah, she did <laughs> oh. uh, Yeah. But, um, yeah, and then we ended up naming our dog after her, Terra.
3: Rooney. Really? Oh, so,
2: yeah. Uh, yeah. My other favourite croc's Bosco, her boyfriend. You so, can only yeah. have one. <laughs> well, he's gone now. So now I've got a Bosco. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> he's a 14-footer with the best set of teeth on him
1: so cool well Mick and Adele it's been such a pleasure having you guys on the podcast it's so awesome to hear like where you all started and where you guys are up to now and Tess and I are very privileged to be a part of your life and so excited to see where you guys are going to go yeah
2: thanks a lot for having us on and we're proud of what you guys are doing as well so keen to see where this podcast goes yeah Mm. we're
3: stoked for you guys and it's cool to have um yeah, something like this to reference. Like because what we are mentioning before about not having a community around you. Um, we can just plug you in our ears. And your <laughs> community is <set. laughs> it. You
1: can hear our voices all the time. <laughs>
3: yeah, 24-7. Gold. Well, well again,
0: thank, thank you again so much, guys. We're really appreciative. Right.
3: Thanks, guys.
2: Thanks a lot, Bye. guys. See ya. Wow,
0: well, that was such a good chat. It's always fun to have people on podcasts that we're pretty close to. So that was really fun talking to Adele and Mick.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And it's great to chat about something slightly different to animal training or working within a zoological facility and so impressive with how well they've done with their business. So Tess and I really hope that you guys enjoyed the episode. And for now, we will leave you with that and we'll be back soon. See you next week. Bye-bye.